A 1-1 home draw with Doncaster on Saturday saw a mixture of opinions. Keith thought that was the best performance for a while, just couldn't get the second goal that was needed. Alex Smith thought it was a performance full of passion, desire, organisation. However, it also showed we need more finishers as it should have been 3 or 4-0. Steve Grice liked the formation and thought it was an improved performance. He is concerned that a giant CBR were providers more than finishers though. Rob Murray was also a fan of the formation and believed it led to the attacks looking less isolated than they have recently. That should have led to us killing them off though. Richard Sandland thought that was much better than Tramir. Disappointing not to get the three points, but a step in the right direction. Tom Mayle believes that was a game we should have won, but could have lost. It was a big improvement on Friday night. Andy O'Neill said it was better entertainment-wise, but Doncaster were poor and it's two points lost. Colin Higginson also points out it was a better performance, but he didn't like the negative substitutions and warns that there were a big two weeks coming up for Morris. Mason thought it was a slight improvement on last year's game between the two clubs, but overall found it frustrating. H. Robinson enjoyed it more than recent games as crew were good for half an hour of both halves. Trev Griffiths thought we had the best two players on the pitch in Offord and Tabiner. And Copeland agrees with that, adding that it was good to see us always try to be on the front foot. Grant is now seriously worried after a performance like that that Offord could be off in January. Sam Medford pointed out Tabiner and to a lesser extent Finney improved the quality of midfield. He doesn't see anything other than a mid-table finish though. James thought Offord and Tabiner were good but Finney was a ghost and asked when was our last decent keeper. Alex Medford thought it wasn't as boring as it has been but it's mid-table this season. Hello and welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. One game for us this week, so we'll get straight into it with our panel, who today are, firstly, Mark Bertels. Hello, Mark. Hello. Next, we have Gary Pearson. Hello, Gary. Hi. And last, making his second appearance with us here is Dave Gallagher. Hello, Dave. Hello. So we're going to start with the Tranmere game. Uh, full disclosure, it's Pizza Cup. I was on holiday. I didn't see it. Gary and Mark, you did. Um, so what did you make of the team? It seemed to me, as someone that didn't watch it, that a full-strength crew team lost to an understrength Tranmere team. Is that about right? Well, it, it sort of looked like it. But if it was um, a change of tactics, I think it was worthwhile. Um, yeah, they had an understrength team. They did strengthen it as the second half went on. Um, which is as we became less less likely to score. Um, but I wasn't 100% disappointed, even though it was just the pizza cup. Um, I understand why he chose that team, I think. Um, my take on it was that if, if there was any chance of that, sort of the majority of the first team winning a football match going into Doncaster, then that would serve morale better than going into it on the back of a 3-0 defeat to Tranmere. Um, as it happens, that massively backfired. Uh, but they did try and play more football, um, which I suppose, in the grand scheme of things, was a step forward. Did anyone stick out to you, either positively or negatively, during the game? 
Well, for me, um, Rio enjoyed his role, I think, as a sort of wandering wing back. He did pop up in a couple of places um, that wouldn't normally have expected him to appear. I think we saw that again on Saturday, but we'll discuss that later. Um, that was about it, really. Nothing much more than that. I was actually quite impressed with Dave Richards. He was very tidy, everything stuck, and he made some smart stops. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of that, Mark, because we've got a goalkeeper penalty save coming up later on in the podcast. So are we going to get two bits of goalkeeper praise from you this week? You'll have to wait and see. <laughs> OK, um, so I think that's us out of the Pizza Cup. Um, I'm not really too bothered. I don't think people listening are too bothered. Um, but a change of formation, I think, is the key thing to take away. So we'll move on to Saturday then. That change in formation did mean Zach was back in. Um, I think, and this is an odd one, Dave, I'll come to you. Um, it's a weird thing, but I think the left side of a back three is where Zach Williams excels. But can we change a team to fit a player into a position quite as niche as that? Um, I think it's, I'd normally say no. Um, however, under the circumstances, I feel like we've not really found a system that works for us. Um, so I don't think we'll, we've got anything to lose. Um, and I think that the benefits that we get from from Zach being more in the centre is is worth the change. Um, so far, the new system looks like it's it's been a little bit more productive. So I was going to say yes on this occasion, but normally I would say no. I think it's more of a team game than, than evolving around one individual. I think, I, I don't know whether you'd agree with this, Mark or Gary, that was the best I've seen Zach this season, I think, yesterday. And it was doing the things that had made him stand out last year in the absolute awfulness of last year with him driving forward as well as defending. I'd say that, yes, he were, he showed up more this time. He's more comfortable in that position. Uh, yes, he did drive forward a lot more, which may be... Um, being one of three allowed is makes it easy for him to do. Um, still don't think he hit the heights of last season. Um, it's I don't know where I to be honest, um, he's not as making as much impact on the team full stop as he did last season. Maybe that's because everybody around him was crap last season. I don't know. And this season, maybe there's one or two are better, so he doesn't stand out. But playing at left-back most of the season has been a waste of his talents. He's better in the middle, definitely. Or the left of a three, if you like. Just going back to Tuesday, um, quickly, Rod McDonald got injured, which was another risk of playing a strong team. I don't think it's a, a big injury, and I'm led to believe he could have played yesterday if absolutely necessary, but they didn't want to risk it. Um, but when he went off on Tuesday, I was quite surprised that uh, the manager brought on Kelvin Meller and popped him in the uh, the back three ahead of Billy Sass Davis. And I, I put it in the, the pod chat, actually. Um, and I, it, I was even more surprised that uh, he started that way again yesterday. And I think that tells me and maybe everybody else where he stands on Billy Sass Davis at the moment, because... Really, you'd think that Kelvin Meller is at the wrong end of his career and he'd be stopping one of ours coming through. Um, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like that uh, Alex Morris doesn't particularly rate him. Whilst yeah. you're talking about Kelvin Meller, um, 
I thought he started the season excellently. I thought he was probably man of the match against Rochdale <clears throat> on the first day of the season. Uh, the one game that I've been able to get to the UK to watch live in person was the Harrogate game, where obviously he had that header that he bulleted into the net for his goal. Um, but recently, I just haven't been as impressed. And I think yesterday was his worst game back for us. He kept jumping into challenges and then missing them and letting them run through him. I, I don't know whether it was him playing as a right of a three or he's just knackered or what, but I don't know if you guys would agree, but I think he probably needs a spell out of the team. Well, who would you have in his place? That's the point. Um, Billy Sass? No, Billy Sass hasn't got the pace that that he can put into the team. Going back to what Mark said earlier, I was surprised that Mello went into that back three on Tuesday night, but mainly because there was a, he was a right back. There was a left back playing at right back, as well as various other permutations at the back. I thought logically he could have gone right back and then maybe we could have had a centre half. If you put, um, Kelvin Meller and Billy Sass Davis together in a, in a race. I'm not sure there'd be much in it. I don't think that it's his pace that keeps Billy out the side. Um, I mean, we've always said on here he, he struggles when he gets isolated one on one, and the back three would suit him more. As that's how I always thought, but obviously Alex Morris doesn't. Um, and the fact that we've switched now and had an injury to a key player, and he's still not playing in a back three, says to me that um, he's not got a long term future at Crew. Does it not make sense yeah. to put him in the middle with Zach on the left and Luke Luke Offord on the right as a three and those two sweeping up for him? Possibly, but for me, I mean, without jumping ahead, Luke Offord's one of my favourite players at the moment. He's um, he's playing absolutely fantastically and well, and I'd just leave him where he is. Well, let's let's go on to Luke Offord then, um, Dave. Do you agree with that? I've seen a few people. Um, now, who are worried that he is playing so well, he won't be our captain in January because he'll be somewhere <laughs> high up the league. Yeah, I agree. Um, he's been probably our best player um, last season as well. He was he was obviously one of the standouts in a in a, in a very poor team. Um, one thing I noticed yesterday is he's just sort of developed into a, into a man, if you like. He, he's he's very strong on the ball. Um, there was a point yesterday in the first half where he was just shoulder to shoulder with their attacker and he just just knocked him off the ball. It was it was easy. Um, and he's just so dependable. He's he's seven out of ten every week without fail, minimum. Um, usually a bit more to be fair. He's yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on his way to a higher level in in January. Um, I just hope we can we can hold him out for a little bit longer. But yeah, he's been he's been really impressive since he's got into the side and he's just developed. He's I don't know with him being a captain as well. I feel like that's just helped him improve and become more of a leader. Um, so yeah. I think we should all be really happy with, with, with Luke. I want to mirror everything that's just been said. He's been outstanding this season. And yesterday in particular, he was he found the game very easy. And yes, um, those forwards didn't pose much problem to him at all. And I did enjoy that one-to-one where he just passed him off the ball. <laughs> it was so easy. Um, uh, I would hope he doesn't go in January, not necessarily because, of course, we lose him, but because... There's not much traffic in January. The chances are he might not go to the right club in January. I think he's got a better chance of going in the summer. Um, and I don't know whether we'd benefit financially either in going in January. Um, I, I can't remember how much of his contract has got left. 
because he's just resigned, doesn't he? I don't know. I was going to save this little nugget until uh, a bit later, but I'll throw it okay. in now because it's t- it fits in. Um, obviously, if you listen to the podcast last week, I think it was James that said that he looks at Doncaster as a sort of barometer as how we're doing because we seem to follow each other up and down the leagues. Um, and I don't waste my Sunday mornings before these podcasts. I uh, have a bit of a nose around, and I, I was quite interested to see what how the club had developed from the last time that we played Doncaster, which was April when we lost 2-0. I think it was, was it David Artel's last game? I think it was, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, and there's only one player that, um, that started yesterday that started that match, and it was Mr. Offord, um, which was quite pleasing to see, really. The other one that featured was uh, Bass, who came on as a, a sub in both games. Um, but it was interesting that... Uh, Obviously, we have moved on as a football club since then. I'd like to think the team's better. I, th- I still think this team would beat last season's team, but then I think the under-11s would beat last season's team. Um, but it's no surprise to me that the one that uh, that jumped out that played both is Luke. And um, I, I think it would be a big mistake selling him in, in January. Just playing devil's advocate then, uh, in terms of someone to say that we should sell him, one of the things that most fans say we got wrong with the, the crop that have just left is we didn't get enough money for them. Is it not wise to sell them a little bit earlier when they've got a little bit more money left? So when they've got a little bit more time left on their contract uh, so we can ask clubs for more and see if we can get more than you know what we got for Charlie Kirk or Perry NG or even you know the ones that went on freeze, Wintel and Lowry. That depends who we've got to replace them, doesn't it, really? Well, Conor do... is doing well in Scotland. Yeah. Would, he, would he be the same kind of player? He's big, um, which Offord isn't. Um, does Conor O'Reardon have the same qualities that Luke Offord has? Even the early Luke Offord? Just throwing that out there, um, that's a genuine question. I think so. I actually said last season, and I'll um, I'll stand by it now, that I think that Conor O'Reardon's got the potential to be better than Zach Williams um, as a centre-half on what I saw last year. I believe he's doing well in Scotland. And and to come back to your point, Stu, it's a very, very good one. And if Conor O'Reardon's going to come in and replace Luke Offord, and then we've got um, Rod McDonald there that can help those two for the remainder of the season, then that would be a really, really good move. Um, so maybe it wouldn't be as big a mistake to sell him in January. Um, they're all ifs, buts and maybes, but that's a very good point you've made. Thank you very much. Um, let's get back to the game then. Uh, Dave, I'm going to let you talk about the goal. Uh, it came from nothing for me and it, it could only really have gone in one part of the goal for it to have gone in. I think anywhere else the keeper saves it. Yeah, um, I'm not sure how the ball, I can't remember now, how the ball found its way out to Wackway on the on the byline. But it Rio. Was, uh, across. was it Rio, was it? Rio pinged the um, pass out, yeah. That was it, yeah. Um, it was a, like, a good cross from Wackway. Um, again, CBR, clinical. <laughs> I said it last time I was on the party, he just doesn't miss. Um, even if you look at the highlights, the header was was moving away from the keeper as well. It was perfect. Um, from where I was, I was at the far end and... I was surprised. I thought, how's the keeper not saved that? But then when you see it back on the highlights, he was he was nowhere near it. Um, so yeah, yeah, again, CBR clinical, absolutely clinical. I just I feel like he needs to seriously work on his celebrations, though. They're the only thing that's really letting him down at the moment. I think he came out yesterday and said that uh, the picture that was taken, I think, must have been Kev 
put on the official website makes it look like he's on the toilet so i think he has acknowledged that his celebration was poor this week dave yeah he um he did mention he's not thought he's not thought it through very well um but yeah as long as he keeps bagging him i'm not too bothered uh, I don't know if you've seen the club have put a video out this morning of um, of the goal from an angle that's filmed to this at that end um, off the ground. Has anybody seen it? No. Uh, I'd have a look at it. I saw it on Facebook, but the cross is actually slightly behind him. So not only does he have to jump and steer it, he also has to take a step away from the goal, which then means he's got to generate the power and the direction to get it in that corner. And it really is a, a much better header than it uh, than it first looked. It's a superb goal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now we're talking about how good uh, CBR is. Gary, I'll come to you and talk about the penalty. What was CBR doing? God knows. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody saw the hand go up. It wasn't a case of the hand was in the way. It wasn't those typical VAR things we see on match of the day where was his arm in an unusual angle or anything like that. He actually just put his hand up. Um, I know as soon as it happened, he put his hand to his face, not in a way as if he was in despair at what he'd done, but as if he'd been hit in the face or something. I don't yeah, know. Was he barged from behind? Watching the replay, he was complaining about an elbow to the face, but it happened after he'd already handballed it. So that's always going to be a penalty because the thing that occurs first is the foul. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just, it, I don't know, it was a bit of a moment of madness. But, Mark, I'm going to come back to you to describe the penalty because uh, we all know how much you love talking about Crew Alex goalkeepers. So it's your moment to shine. Brilliant save. Um, and even better, I think, because he'd already committed to go to, the, to his right. Um, and I think he trailed a foot and a, an arm, but I think it was his arm that saved it. Um, and he did his bit. That's all he can do. We can't do any more than that. Uh, and then how the how Miller didn't um, score from the rebound, I don't know. If he'd left it, there was another player, wasn't there, that probably would have yeah. tucked it in. But he wouldn't know that, of course, at that speed. But um, even so, he, sh he still should have scored. Um, and it was just like another goal had gone in round Grest Road. It was ace. I thought for a very tall and big man to get down there like that was excellent. Also, his save earlier on, you know, um, I feel a lot more confident in him despite what happened later um, because now he's he seems to be more composed and more confident, generally speaking. His positioning seems to be much, much better. His responses seem to be much, much better. Yeah, just whilst we're talking about what, goalkeepers, um, he did make a couple of good saves. As Gary's just said, the save before was excellent. Um, I disagree with the point about his positioning. Um, obviously, we'll come on to it, but the goal, he should have just, if he's going to come, he should have come and, and just committed. Um, he sort of came and just sort of lingered around the edge of the box and, and obviously it was an easy finish for the striker. Um, so I guess it's what you get when you, when you take a Premier League goalkeeper on loan. He's going to, He's going to make mistakes. Um, that's why he's at crew, is to unfortunately make them mistakes in, in less of the limelight. Um, but overall, I think we should be quite happy with how he's how he's playing. Um, he's getting more confident. I feel like he just, again, a bit like CBR, he's had a bit of a rush of blood to the head yesterday, unfortunately. Well, the problem yesterday, I think, was he had a rush of blood, then he had a second thought. 
um, we could have done without either. Either have a rush of blood and go full blood for it, or don't have the rush of blood. That's that was the problem in the end. Yeah, I think that was uh, you know, if we're gonna talk about the, the Doncaster goal now, sort of we might as well. Um it, it just as Dave said, it looked to me like if he'd have stayed on his line, made it difficult to score, offered was closing demand down, it didn't look like it needed to be that easy as it was. And it's just it was disappointing because I don't really, and you guys can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't really think Doncaster were threatening too much in that game. They were quite a poor side. Well, first of all, it's it was disappointing because it's basically two passes. Um, they get the ball on the edge of our box and they pass it up to the halfway line. The guys, there's no one anywhere near him. I think it's um, Thomas that's the closest and he's not close enough. So the player's allowed to turn and then he, it, basically it's just a ball in behind. The back three, which is obviously where you can get exposed in a three. But I think Luke Offord was close enough to him to have caught him. And I, whilst I agree completely that uh, Arthur's been improving and has improved, and one of the things that's improved the most is his starting position, because you know that the clip balls over the top, that it looks like the centre forwards are going to get onto. And he, he's Starting position means a lot of the time he comes out and claims him at the edge of the box, and that's good to see. You know, he reads the game really well. But as Gary said on this instance, I think he um, he came and then thought, uh-oh, I've come and I shouldn't have done. And then he got caught somewhere between two minds. Um, if he'd stayed on his line, and it's all easy to say afterwards, and I don't want to be too critical because it's so easy to say you should have stayed on your line. But if he had, I think Offord would have got there. And even if he didn't, is he going to beat him from a shot from the edge of the area? I'm not sure. Um, but he'll learn from it. And like Dave's just said, that's that's part of the, the problem and the risk of taking a, a Premier League keeper on loan. That's what he's here for. He, he, they want him to make those mistakes in a cruciate. When you go back to CBR scored a great goal, a great header, and then waved at someone in the crowd and give a penalty away. And then the keepers made a stunning save from open play and then saved a penalty and then um, cost us a goal. It was like a day for uh, heroes becoming villains. Right. Okay. I think there's someone else that we need to talk about from yesterday's game. Um, I haven't seen a lot of him because I can't see Youth Cup games. I don't really watch Pizza Cup games. Um, so I haven't seen tremendous amount of him. And when I did watch a Pizza game earlier in the season, the Bolton game, I thought he looked a little bit lightweight and a little bit too small to be playing men's football. Um, Dave, I was completely wrong now. How good was uh, Taberna yesterday? Yeah, fantastic. Um, and I think it's what we all like to see. We like to see um, the kids coming through and putting in performances like that. It, it sort of softens the blow, if you like. If we, obviously, we're expecting three points yesterday. Um, so when you're seeing the, the youth team players come in and, and play like that, it gives you a bit of hope for the, for the future. Um, yeah, he's outstanding. Just going on your point, um, with he was a little bit lightweight. I think he he sort of got stuck in for one a challenge and then played the ball through to to Aji. Um, so he's obviously growing in confidence. Um, and in Morris's interview at the end, he did say that that Tab said he should have had four. Um, so yes, yeah, I'd like to see him um, score yesterday. It would have been it would have been good, and I feel like it would have given me more confidence. But he looks he looks like a Promising. He's, he sort of reminds me a little bit of Charlie Kirk when he first came into the team. He's he's quite raw, but you can see he's definitely got got some talent. Um, and I think I think he might become a bit of a a big part of this season. I feel like he's going to be starting or at least making featuring in quite a lot of games this season. 
I, I made that comparison with Charlie Kirk as well, because, you know, was it 50-odd games he took before he scored his first goal for Crewe? Um, and Tabner should have scored yesterday, you know. I think he's he's been fair to himself. Like, you know, it, I would expect him to have scored at least one of the chances he got. But, Mark, if he's getting in those positions then, then it's not going to take him 50 games to score a goal for Crewe, is it? No, absolutely not. And if... Um... Not just me, a few people have said it uh, over the last few weeks that there's been no edge of your seat players um, in the crew team. And he's uh, yesterday, he provided that bridge between um, defence and attack. He's willing to receive the ball with his back to our uh, to the opponent's goal, turn, take someone on or turn and try and slip someone through or run with it. Um, and that's what you want to see. That's what I want to see on a, a Saturday afternoon. I want to be entertained. Um, and I was yesterday. Uh, despite being disappointed with the result, I've left Gresty Road feeling like it was strange, really. I thought thought we played well for the majority of it. We actually played well up until he went off, which I'm sure someone else can come on to. I think um, everything I've just said was was lost because King isn't that kind of player and he didn't really do much um, from a defensive or attacking point of view. Um, but when the six minutes of injury time went up, you know, I'm, I'm still willing as to win. And I know I've enjoyed the football match and I've had a good afternoon and it's been better and we've tried to play. And then when the whistle goes, you can't help but have a bit of a sinking feeling thinking we should have won that. Um, so it was mixed feelings, but I do think we're heading in the right direction. But obviously that'll, that'll time will tell this week with, um, with two away games. You've you mentioned yeah. the substitution. Um, a, a few people picked up on that. The, you know, they didn't want him to be subbed. I... I'm willing to go out on a, a limb here and say, I think that Alec Morris got that right. If you look back at the game, there was two minutes before he was subbed off, um, a Doncaster player just ran past him and he looked absolutely knackered. You know, I imagine the adrenaline of playing first team football, it's probably left him completely drained and he just had nothing left to give. And we shouldn't be expecting these young kids to come in and play 90 minutes of football when they're starting. So, I, I know people disagree because I've read the comments to me for the intro and I've read some of them out for the intro. Uh, but I think Alex Morris got that one right. I don't think we should be expecting Tavner to come in as a young lad and do everything for full 90 minutes. It's just unrealistic. Um, Gary, am I right or wrong with that? No, I agree. Um, maybe maybe we think that, yeah, as, as Mark said, the, we look less likely to do anything when he went off, but you know, what, what might have been the outcome otherwise, if it had stayed on, you might have got injured and wouldn't be available at all. Um, because, you know, you get injured when you get tired, when you get exhausted, when you make wrong decisions. But can I add to the praise for Tamino? Because it wasn't just his ability to beat people. The fast feet was great to see. The vision was also incredible. The fact that he could pick out people across the pitch very easily without seeming to look. I mean, he obviously did look, but there was none of this cautiousness of, if I can't see somebody right in front of me, I'll pass it back. Now, I know that obviously yesterday they were told, they'd been told to get the ball forward a bit more quickly, but there has been a tendency most of the season for if you can't see a player... 10 yards in front of you, then play sideways or backwards to keep possession, I suppose. But he was picking the ball up and zinging the ball about 
And that's what we've been missing. Somebody who can pick up the ball, take on a player and then ping the ball out to somebody. Um, but yes, I do agree that yeah, it was probably the best time. It was slowing down considerably. Can I also make a comment about King? I was, I was saying to people sat around me how worried I am about King because when he appeared against Bradford away, he looked outstanding. I thought he's going to be great all season. But since then, he seems to have become much more anonymous. I'm hoping that we haven't coached things out of him. Oh, being made to fit into the system has dulled his edge. Yeah, just, just on that, Gary, I feel like um, King and Thomas, they're, they're too similar in my eyes. So when they're both when they're both on the pitch together, we, we, we've just got two very similar players. We get a lot of sideways and backwards passes. Um, so I don't know if it's the fact that we've got Thomas in the side as well, which probably makes King look a worse player than he is. Um, but I agree. When we when he first joined, he was he was good. He looked really positive. Um, but yeah, for the last the last few weeks at least, he's he's just sort of moulded into a bit of a boring player. I don't want to say it, but he's just boring to to watch. Just to come back to your point, Stu. Um... I watch the matches from the back of the main stand um, and I've always watched them from a high vantage point in that stand when it was built. And I finished the, uh, I watched the six minutes of injury time uh, at pitch side yesterday, right at the front. Um, and it's a completely different watch when you get down there and you realise just how physical and quick and relentless it really is. Um, and I think it's a really good point about Tabernet and young Finney when he plays. Um they need to be protected. And I think um, despite it costing us maybe being an attacking threat for the last 15 minutes, I would agree that uh, it was the right choice to, to take him off if we've got him now for the next two games. It's really interesting to listen to this because um, we are all Corralix fans, as we know, um, and we all know what Corralix do. They bring players through the academy. And as um, you said, Mark, about getting someone interesting playing football again some interesting football some exciting football I think it just shows how much I'd say you're you, the vast majority of crew fans just buy into this he's coming through our academy he's one of ours he looks like a crew player and we're all really excited about it again you know this is the next the start of the next crop coming through and we've all seen it we've all been around the club long enough now to know that this is what it looks like. And, you know, maybe, just maybe, after the last season and a half, we've got something that we can cling to that is going to be positive again. Because, God, it's been hard work trying to come up with positives for the last year on this uh, every week. Um, I almost put a tweet out yesterday when he went off, when he was sub saying, there'll be some teams keeping tabs on that player now. But I didn't because I want them to find them for, find him for themselves. I'm not going to give them the easy win. He's ours and he's going to stay ours for a little bit longer yet. Um, Dave, I'm going to come to you. We'll talk about another academy player. Back in the team yesterday, Ollie Finney. Um, I wrote down, not great, but also not awful. Does that sum up Ollie Finney's performance yesterday? Yeah, um, he didn't stand out either way, did he? He didn't stand out as, as being the old Ollie Finney. Um, but obviously we've seen some some worse performance from him, um, especially recently. Um, it's a tough one with Ollie Finney. We, we know he's got the the ability to get in the box and, and be a goal-scoring midfielder. Um, obviously, since he broke his leg, 
Um, he doesn't seem to be, I don't know if it's an easy excuse, but he doesn't seem to be the, the same player he was. Um, he probably needs a little bit of time away. He just needs some confidence. Um, I don't feel like he's going to get a, a consistent run of games at, at the Alex. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult one. It's, we know he's good. It's, when you compare him to some of the other midfielders that we've got that are not getting in the team, I feel like we we owe it to Oli Finney a little bit more to give him that opportunity than probably some of the other some of the other squad players. I would give him, um, and maybe being slightly generous, I'd give him a solid seven out of ten yesterday. But caveat to that is that's also some somewhat based on um, how he's been playing since he well since he had broke his leg, um, and what I mean by that is yesterday. He looked like he was trying. He looked interested. He ran around a lot. He looks like he's lost a bit of weight. Um, and from the, the sort of snippets we're getting from Alex Morris and Lee Bell, it sounds like there's been a change of attitude off the pitch around the training ground. He's been staying after training. Um, and if that's true, whilst that should never disappear in the first place, then I think he deserves a chance. And um, and he tried yesterday. And, and I've always said, if somebody's wearing that shirt and they care, and they run around and they try and do the best for the team, and that's fine by me, and I think he did that yesterday. Yeah, for me, that was a vast improvement, but from a very low bar, mainly because he, he, he didn't disappear. He was actually involved in the game, which, for me, I've always said that, yes, way back, he used to score goals, but didn't do anything else. Um. I also want to back that up by saying he scored those goals when he had Pickering and Kirk playing alongside him. So therefore he had the space in which to get into the box and score those goals. Um, he hasn't got Kirk and Pickering now. Um, and I thought that was the reason for his dip in form rather than the break, break of leg. But yesterday he didn't, he didn't um, uproot any trees, but he did look better. And if he suddenly turned a corner, then yeah, I agree. Give him another chance. Because I've been one of his big, biggest critics for ages. Even when he was scoring his goals, I was moaning about him. So he did actually get involved. He created his own chance at one stage, which is something he didn't often do before, even when he was scoring goals, with that run and shot. Um, so yeah, I'm willing to give him a chance. Um, but not at the expense of other people who might be better. Well, it might very well be, Gary, that uh, the penny's dropped in Charlie Finney's, uh, sorry, Ollie Finney's head because Charlie's coming up uh, behind him quite quick and Taberner's burst onto the scene and maybe he's realised that they're going to go past him um, and get sort of, I don't know, watched and, and maybe uh, play at a high level before him or at the expense of him now. Um, and if that's the case, then good. Yeah. I agree. Can I ask people's opinion of Dan Ajay? Mainly because um, I saw somebody comment on the Railway, Railway Men Review this week, views that I also agree with, that when he's got the ball and when he's got somewhere to aim for, he's quite skillful, he's quite committed. But when he hasn't got the ball, he seems to be, his mind seems to be off in space somewhere. And he doesn't keep up with play. He lets his mark, um, his marks go. Um, often they have a good few yards start because he's not 
completely with it. Um, and generally, he doesn't seem to do a lot off the ball. Now, maybe this is just something that's stuck in my head. Uh, although I'm bringing it up because I saw it on Railwaymen Review this week on one of the comments. So has anybody else got a comment about that? I think he's gone backwards since the start of the season. Um, I thought uh, he was terrible um, against Tranmere last Friday and just couldn't be asked to track his man. And, and we got uh, overloaded on that side. Um, but he... Uh, He's definitely a threat when he's got the ball. He can go past a man and he can pull the ball back. I think you're right. I think it's more when he hasn't got the ball. Um, but that that's for Alex Morris and Lee Bell and, and Kenny and whoever else to sort out because he was playing better than... I mean, the first few games of the season, I'm thinking, like, certainly on the opening day, he was a real threat at Rochdale. Oh, yeah. um, and he was good for a few games after that. And, you know, we saw that... Um, that amazing finish he scored the other week. So there's definitely ability in there, but I, I don't disagree. Something's missing. He doesn't look quite as quick as he, he did either. Um, but yeah, it's a fair point. I don't know what you think, Dave. Yeah, I, I like him. Um, I, I just find him a bit of a frustrating watch. He's, he's skillful. Um, he's a battler in my eyes. Um, and he gets us into some dangerous positions. You just feel like the, the end product is, is sometimes not there. Um, in terms of his tracking back, um, if I go back to Charlie Kirk again, can you remember when Charlie used to get absolute pelters for not tracking back? Um, and was like Artel said, it's, he's, he's a winger. It's, it's not his job to, to defend. Um, I disagree with that. I feel like you, you'd still have a responsibility to defend. Um, what obviously is his main responsibility is, is to get us into attacking positions and score goals. Um I just find him really frustrating. I do like him. I think he does offer us something. I just wish when he gets into the byline or when he gets in the box, he, he just picks the right option. Um, I feel yesterday there was a couple of occasions where if he'd have just made the right decision, we'd have been two or three up and, and home and hosed, really. Um, so, yeah, he's frustrating, but I definitely, I would definitely prefer him in the team over, over Bassambu, um, who obviously offers us something completely different. He definitely needs to look up a few times before mm. he hits the ball in. But I, um, although one cross he did yesterday was brilliant. The problem was not him. The problem was that we only had one person in the box and that person had gone to the near post rather than the back post. That was, that was the one problem. We don't get enough people in the box to get on the end of these crosses sometimes. Okay, next we shall have a look ahead to the two games coming up this week. But first, we'll hear from the women's team who had the chance to qualify for the first round of the FA Cup when they took on Sherwood FC on Sunday. They've just won 8-0, so they're in the FA Cup first round proper. Hi, Matt. A superb victory today, winning 8-0. What pleased you most about the performance? Um, the way the, the girls moved the ball really, really quickly, um, with all due respect to, to Sherwood, we, we knew very little about them before they came uh, to our place, so we had to sort of gauge how we were going to approach the game in, in game time, sometimes that's the hardest thing. Um, we knew that we'd have to move the ball really quickly, and the girls did that. Um, I think we probably could have been more pro prolific in front of goal. But um, no, overall, the, the thing that pleased me was uh, the professionalism that the girls showed, not to um, 
let the confidence drop. We kept the clean sheet. We got trouble very little at the back due to our professionalism and our composure. But getting players in forward positions, you know, our full-backs were playing so high at times. We were just so many overloads in their half. Uh, it, it was really pleasing to see. The opponents seemed to struggle um, to cope with the intensity that the girls played at. But their goalkeeper gave an inspired performance. Could you have scored more? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think it was one of them that if if, she, if she's your keeper, you say that that she's made great saves and she has. I don't want to take anything away from the girl. I think we we probably let them off the hook with some of them. I felt we we should have been more clinical. But having said that, you know she has made a number of super saves um, that that really stopped the game getting getting silly really. Uh, and, and I said so to the girl after the game, you know, when when we shake hands, I thought she was absolute top draw. I know none of their girls, you know, football football community is a small world, certainly in female football, and you tend to know everyone around, but I'd never come across any of them girls, and they fought to the last minute, but yeah, the keeper was super. Laura Garner played a role in uh, most goals, either assisting or scoring. Um, her form has been of a very high standard recently. Uh, what has she worked on to improve her game? Um, being involved more, really. I think we, we know what Laura's got. She's got bags of ability. Uh, technically, she's one of the best players around. We need to get her on the ball more. So we, we've been a counter-attacking team historically in my time. Uh, we, we've soaked up and absorbed pressure. And then we've got athleticism in the final third. Sometimes with that, that can bypass Laura, um, which you then, your style of play is cutting out probably one of the best players in the league. So we've had to change that slightly and, and become a little bit more possession-based, be calmer on the ball. Yes, we've got athleticism in the forward areas and that's that's there to use. You'd be mad not to, but it's not our, our only sort of way of dealing with things. I think that's played a part. You know, the slower build-up has allowed Laura to get into areas where she can use her technical ability. I think she's worked really hard individually as well. She's improved the game massively. I know she's worked incredibly hard to improve the physical side of, a ga- of the game. So she she deserves everything that's coming. She's, she's scoring so many goals and having a part in, in, in every single goal, pretty much. She's become priceless for us. That's brilliant. Um, there was a great attendance at the game. The club seems to be um, building up a real fan base. Um, is that something you must be really happy with? Yeah, um, the uh, the supporters were starting to come in, in numbers to the Cumberland and that was really our only fear of, about moving away from the Cumberland. There were so many things going for the move to Kruvaks in the community. Uh, for example, that game would have been off today had it been on grass. Um, so the all-weather pitches kept that alive and allowed us to win some money and get to the next round. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, the spectators are massive for us. And you know to see the, the kids' faces, especially the little girls' faces, and they can sort of uh, appreciate and, and see them themselves playing football when they get older because they can sort of relate to the girls. That's been the, the key thing. And, and a number of our ETC girls have been coming and supporting us home and away. Uh, it's becoming like, it's always been a crew family, um, but it, it's starting to feel like a real family environment at the moment. The supporters know the girls' names. They talk with them, uh, offer them advice and uh, support them, sometimes financially as well. That's brilliant. Um, something to aspire to. Finally, I bet you're sick of this question. Who would you like to get in tomorrow's draw? Um, I don't. I, I don't know. You know, there's some big teams in it. Uh, my personal. Uh, my personal. I don't know. 
I think we we could beat anyone on a day, and I said that in me in me me me, me pre-match sort of interview yesterday, in that we need to then turn that consistency on. I think when it is time for us to go out, because as negative as it sounds, we're not going to win this cup. When it is time for us to go out, I want it to be to the biggest team possible. I want to go there and get an experience. Uh, until then, we we just compete against anyone that we're put with. I'd like uh, a home draw. I like to play at home, ideally, but we'll take whatever we're given. Never say never. Uh, congratulations again, Matt, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. Tuesday night football, a trip to the capital to face Wimbledon. Dave, are you going? Have you been to the new Plough Lane yet? No, I'm a bit disappointed it's on a Tuesday night because that's one I pencilled in to go. Um, I like a little London away day, so unfortunately, um, yeah, being midweek, it's not possible. Um, but yeah, tough trip midweek. I know they're they're not great. Um, it's going to be a bit of a battle in performance, I think. It's, yeah, one of them. Wish it was a Saturday. Would have enjoyed the day out, definitely. Anyone going, or is it just the same as Dave, Tuesday night, just not feasible? Well, I'm flying off to Spain on Wednesday morning, so definitely not going Tuesday night to, to win. No excuse at all, Gary. <laughs> no, same. I'd love to have gone. I've not been yet, um, but Tuesday just makes it it's almost impossible. Um, but I think it, if you look at the table now, there's a, a gap between 12 and 13th of four points. It's almost split in two when we're if I'm being kind, top of the bottom half. Um, so really, we, we need to put some wins together uh, to try and nudge up a little bit. Yeah, they didn't start particularly well, but they're now only a few points behind the Alex. I think if they win on Tuesday, they go above us. And they have started winning recently. I think they've won two of the last four, which, you know, I'd, it'd be good if Crew could win two of the last four. Um, so, Mark, are you confident of a result, or you know, is, is that what you're saying that it's going to be a tough game? It'll be a tough game. Um, I think it's difficult because, in the grand scheme of things, then I think a one-one draw or any kind of draw would be uh, acceptable away at Wimbledon. Um, but when you're not winning at home, you kind of you've got to start picking points up somewhere. Um, so, I, you know. We really need a win at some point. I'm just not overly confident it's going to come on uh, Tuesday night. I don't think a draw is a terrible result. I think I, I don't think we'll lose. Put it that way. They've got a. They have won two of the last four. One of those was against Rochdale. Not that I'm saying anything disrespectful about Rochdale, but you know we've beaten them as well at Rochdale. Um, what I mean to say is that I think that their attack and their defence is very similar to ours. Low number of lowish number of goals, lowest number of goals conceded. Um, I think it's got draw written all over it. It also depends whether we stick to the five-three-two or three-five-two, whichever way you look at it, um, or whether we go to the defensive pattern that we've had recently. Um, if we stick to what we started with yesterday, uh, I'm saying a confident draw, or maybe better. Okay, Gary, I'll stick with you then. Just to fin- what is the the confident draw? One one two two three three. Oh, one one. I'm pushing it to get more than one goal, but one okay. one. Mark, I'm going to go one one as well. Dave, yeah, same here as well. One one. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, guys.
Okay, I spoke to Stuart from the Nine Years podcast to get their take on the season so far. Hi, Stuart. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. No problem. So you're from the Nine Years podcast. I think we uh, we spoke to you guys a few years ago. And since then, I believe you've gone uh, all official and you work with the club now. Uh, can you just explain what that is? Yeah, so we're sort of we're still we're still independent. Um, although we've never we've never been a podcast that wants to call the club out or anything. Do you know what I mean? We've always had good relationships. Um, but yeah, the club come to us um, January and asked if we could put maybe potentially a, a live show. What what could we do? Um, and we've yeah we've gone with that. So we do a live pre match show um, about an hour before before the game, and that's a mixture of um reviews of like we do a rewind of previous encounters with the team we we invite an away fan um to come in um, so we've got a studio up on the top tier of the new stand um so we we've got that i think we've got a crew fan coming joining us on um on tuesday and yeah, um, it adds a bit of it yeah and it adds um it just adds something different to it so yeah very light-hearted um we're not in terms of the club doesn't come to us and says you must do this you must do that we we sort of know there's a line um so from say i always say to people on the panel with me is that you know don't say something about a player that you wouldn't necessarily say to them um you know respectful but yeah do you know what we, we call things out if you know last year we, we lost <laughs> we kept losing so you can't go in there with a smile on your face you've, you know, you've got to be realistic otherwise people won't watch um so yeah that's where we are with that you just mentioned last season um obviously crew fans know all about Wimbledon season because we were relegated alongside each other um yeah. before the season started what was the expectation was it we are in a league below we should be going back up or is this we need to rebuild we need to consolidate mid tables okay this year well yeah obviously we needed a new manager and we've also got a lot of things behind the scenes that we need to get right you know we, we're bringing a um, and, and managing director to replace a, a, a CEO. So we were structure-wise, we were going different. We were looking ahead of football operations because um, we really haven't had that. Recruitment was a real challenge for us last season, probably before that. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going off, going on off the field. So I think realistically, realistically to expect us to challenge for a promotion was was not, you know, don't get me wrong, there's some fans that think that, you know, some fans will think you've got to go, sure, we go back up. Um, but I would say probably I was mid-table um, with a probably outside chance or a playoff um, position. OK, so let's go into the season itself then. A win on Saturday away at Rochdale, but the season didn't start off too well, did it? Well, no. Well, we, we got an opening day victory against Gillingham. Uh, obviously, come, we were relegated off so we were both ourselves and that. And 2-0, um, we looked really... And do you know what? It was um, opening day. We hadn't won. Hey, look, if you look at the uh, games we've won in 2002, it's a handful. You know, we didn't see many wins. So that was good. Um, but yeah, then, you know, we, we found out what League 2 is like. Um, and I don't, know how you, I don't know how you've experienced... Obviously, you know League 2 better than... We would obviously we've not been in League Two for many many years, but we we sort of realised that pretty football and that doesn't always um, work. Um, and um, sometimes you know like I say we got beat by Northampton at home two 0 and to be honest with you they done the basics right, hit long balls into corners, won their seconds, all the things that are actually basic sort of football. So we are gradually starting to adapt. But yeah, we we got beat five two at Mansfield. Um, we've had a few beatings. Um, but I feel we're adapting now. It's um, it's a lot. It's a lot different to League One. 
You mentioned earlier the summer, one of the jobs you needed was a manager. Um, you got Johnny Jackson in. That feels from the outside looking in, that's maybe a bit of a coup for a team that's just been relegated to League Two. Um, was that the feeling and is that the feeling still within the fan base? Yeah, so with Johnny Jackson, it was it was away from the norm. So it's the first time, I think, probably since Terry Brown back in the conference days that we've gone for somebody with not with no links to Wimbledon. Um, previously, he's always been an ex-player, someone in the, the academy. So it was a weird one because Johnny Jackson's still young. I think he's, what, 39? A uh, really young manager. Had, obviously, at Charlton, um, was, a, was a legend there, went into the managing. Um some Trump fans were disappointed when he when he got um, zapped. Um, so I suppose it was a difficult one. I think so, for me personally, I I was intrigued because it's it's having somebody from the outside, and you know we've seen it already. You know Johnny Jackson has got to do a lot to win the fans over because he doesn't have that connection. You always you know for one of your own, you always give him a little bit more time, don't you, and stuff like that. Um, so I think. Hey, look, I think it's been a challenge for John, for Johnny Jackson. I think he's a, it's not an easy job that he's come into. Um, the last home game, there were some boos, etc., around and um, some unrest amongst the home fans. After we we got beat in a local derby against Surrey United, um, but then football quickly changes, doesn't it? You know, you go win at go win at Rochdale. But I think I would say the jury's probably still out. Um, but you know we've we've got to get away from this situation of, of keep sacking managers. We've not had a manager finish, you know, not had a manager have a full season since Neil Hardley um, back in 2018. So we've got to get away from this knee jerk reaction. So I, me personally, I think you stick with Joy Jackson, give him a chance, give him a couple of transfer windows. Um, but football fans and you know the the new not a new football fan, but you know this fans are not patient anymore like they used to be. Uh, I had a little look at players for Wimbledon and Josh Davison is the one that sticks out. Is he the one that we should be looking out for on Tuesday night or is there someone else that we need to be concerned with? No, do you know what? I think, Joy, I think you're right with Josh Davison. I think, you know, he scored, what's his sixth goal, I think, of the season. Um, it's been difficult for him. He's a he's a player that will run the channels. he run all day. Uh, you know, his work rate is really, really good. He doesn't give... He doesn't give defenders any any sort of um, leeway, and he's always harassing them. So, I think yeah, look, we've got a few players that um, that are decent, um, but they're not at the moment. You know, you've got Paris Magoma, who's on loan from Brentford. We've got quite a good relationship with Brentford uh, with, with loanees. Uh, Paris Magoma looks really decent. You've got um, Ava um a bit inconsistent at the moment, but if he turns it on, then he can win a game for you. Um, I, I would say that the biggest thing we had on Saturday um, against Rochdale was we had the return of Alex Wojciardo, captain, uh, who's been out since February. Um, and it's been a big miss. And uh, even though he's been rushed back, we've had a few injuries recently. So he has been rushed back quicker than probably what we wanted to. Even at probably, I would say, 70% fitness, uh, max sharpness, he was outstanding against Rochdale. Okay, Stuart, I've got one last question, then I'm going to let you go. What is the score going to be on Tuesday night? <laughs> well, do you know what? We've got to start putting some back-to-back wins together. Um, we haven't done that for so long. Um, I think we played well against Rochdale. I think, do you know what? I think we probably will win on on Tuesday. I'm not overly conf- not confident normally, but I've got a thing we're probably going to win 2-1 uh, against on Tuesday. Okay, Stuart, thank you for your time. No problem at all. Thanks for having me.
After the game on Tuesday then, Mark, we find ourselves on another away game, this time not to the south of London, but to the South Lake District. And again, it's probably a ground that not many crew fans have been to. Including me. Um, the, the first thing I'll say about that game is that you've got to look past the uh, the football club name. You know, it's be so easy to think, oh, we're playing Barrow, it's a guaranteed win, crew should be winning. Um I'm not disagreeing with that. You know, they've not got anywhere near the resources that um, that we've got in terms of academy and uh, and structure as a football club. But at the moment, they're 11th and four points better off than us. And you've got to respect that. Um, yes, we should be beating Barrow, I think, in the grand scheme of things. But we also need to remember where we were coming from in, um, in May last year. Um, it's going to be a tough one, but I'm, uh, I've just got a feeling, but I'll wait for your predictions. Sound like McGarry, I've got a feeling. It's not a transfer window yet. Um, yeah, Dave, they've had a similar start to the Alex. Um, they had a, a good start to the season. They were a little bit higher than crew. Uh, and they've had a horrible October. They've lost all but one game. That, that was only the, the Saturday game that they drew. Um, and they're just above the Alex. So pretty similar stuff. What are you expecting? Um, I'm more confident about Barrow away than I am at Wimbledon midweek. Um they obviously, like you say, had a good start. I'm sure they were in the automatic places for a little while. Um, but obviously, they've been beat by Rochdale. I mean, we're probably using Rochdale as a little bit disrespectful. Their form has picked up recently. Um, like you say, they've lost four in their last five. I'm more confident about our own. I feel like we will finally get that win there. Gary, um, it's two away games in a week, which is tough. And that is the word uh, Mark's used to describe both games. But we're talking about two away games at two mid-table teams. So should we be downplaying our chances or should we, you know, be going, well, we're going to go and get six points this week. You know, these are teams we should be beating. Well, I would never, even when we're doing really well, I'd never talk about six points away from home in two games, um, being an eternal pessimist. But I do also have a feeling about Barrow. And yes, we shouldn't be tempted by the name Barrow uh, to jump to conclusions, but the point is they had a brilliant start and now they're having an awful time. Um, possibly because, as Mike mentioned about their resources, maybe, I'm not really sure, um, they're beginning to suffer injuries and I uh, expect that they don't have a large squad. I do think the manager is is the best part of the club. I've forgotten his name, Wilder, isn't it? Pete Wilde. Wild, yeah, um, because he did wonders at Halifax beforehand. Um, they're now suffering since he left. But I still feel confident because I think Barrow are perhaps in a worse place than we are. Because, OK, yes, we've lost quite a few recently. But I think we might have got a change of heart from Saturday. I'm hoping that it will continue on Tuesday and we'll start to think that things are beginning to change, whereas Barrow are in a downward slide. So okay. I'm confident in the Well, Gary, do you want to give us your confident prediction for that one then? Oh, yes. I think we'll thrash them 1-0. Dave? I'm going to go with 2-1. To the Alex? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I feel is like that, that uh, Billy Waters scoring the consolation, is it, Dave? <laughs> um. It could be anybody, couldn't it? Let's be honest. Um, but I think CBR is going to bag for us yet again. Um, and maybe Tabs. That'd be nice. Tabs would have been last minute. 
Mark, you teased us with your um, prediction at the start of this chat. What are you going for? Same as Dave, 2-1. Two, 2? Two. Crew. Okay. I spoke to another Stuart, Stuart Ackister, to get the Barrow take on the season so far. Hello, Stuart. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Now, this is your first time with us. So can you just give us a little bit about you and your relationship with Barrow Football Club? Yep. So I've been supporting Barrow now for 22 years. Uh, so obviously right up from when we were down in the Unibon League. Obviously now we're in the Football League, so right through. Um, I also do a fans panel on BBC Radio Cumbria, sort of post-game, sometimes pre-game. So I have do do a bit sort of uh, discussion there with commentators and pundits. So, uh, yeah, it's good to join you on the podcast this morning. So let's go straight into this season. Um, what were the expectations for you? What were the expectations for the club, for Barrow, for this year coming up? Um, for me personally, the expectations were just to basically get to April and we weren't panicking that we're going to be relegated because, to be quite honest, it's been uh, a bit of a shambles since since we got promoted. Uh, the two seasons we had in the Football League for this year have been a bit of a shambles. So, basically, yeah, we just need to get to a point, stability, uh, and like I say, where we're just getting to April and we're not looking around thinking, oh, I hope Colchester lose this week or I hope Hartlepool lose this week. Because uh, then, it, you know, it puts us a bit further away from that bottom two. Because uh, obviously, the last two years, we have looked seriously at, at certain points, like we were going to go down. And, you know, th- to be fair, the fan base has stood up quite well um, since we've got up. But again, you know, you want to keep growing that because we have had sort of a bit of an older fan base at Olker Street. So, you know, you want to keep growing that. But yeah, stability is the main thing. And like I say, literally, you just want to be able to enjoy the last couple of games of the season <laughs> rather than panicking about going down. So that being said, then it must have been, you know, for you, for the rest of the Barrow fans, it must have been a great start to the season. You know, you're up here challenging for the automatic spots towards the start, uh, August, September. But then October hasn't gone too well for you guys. I think you've lost most of the games up until Saturday. What's gone wrong in that period? Um, it's a good question. To be honest, I mean, most of the games have been quite close. You know, we haven't. There's no game where we've been hammered, so it's it's not like anything sort of gone massively wrong. Um. The game where we lost to Leighton Orient, who obviously are having a great season themselves. Um, we, we were the best side for the first half an hour until they scored, to be quite honest. We probably should have scored ourselves. We didn't. And then they got on top. And once the once they lead Orient, they are bad to score against. You know, they defended well. They did all the nasty bits of football. The time wasted very well. Little fouls, little niggly fouls that you get away with. Um, again, you know, we, we're losing by the odd goal. So it hasn't been... I think I, know, I didn't actually go to Rochdale, but from what I gathered on the radio at Rochdale and what Pete Wilde said afterwards, he, he was disappointed himself at Rochdale. I think that was the first time this season where we played sort of badly for the for, for the majority of the game. Um, but you know, team wise, I don't know. People keep talking. Oh, you know, you've been worked out. You know, your game plan's been worked out. That sort of thing. But I mean, the other thing is as well. We probably have. For me personally, I think I, I was starting eleven. Our starting eleven is a good side. Maybe them that are coming in aren't quite as good. There's two or three that could probably fill in and it's not a problem. But then after that, but you know, that'll come. That's why I mean Pete Wild signed this it is a bit ridiculous, really, this five year contract. But that's the idea is to to, to build the club uh squad wise, you know, because the next summer hopefully if he keeps the starting eleven together, 
it can build the squad side of things. But yeah, I mean, I mean, even the start, you know, it was great. It was fantastic. You know, even not just in the league, we went to Blackpool and knocked them out of the League Cup, and it was a fantastic night for us as the fans. You know, to even be playing at a Championship ground, never mind knocking them out of the League Cup. But even then, winning games by the old goal, even then, and sort of, I know a lot of people don't like all this XG and all that sort of thing. But when you look to the data, we were probably overperforming where we were. So, I mean, me personally, I never thought it was going to last. You know, people were getting a bit carried away. You know, some people were joking, say we're going to win the league like they do, but some people were getting carried away saying, oh, you know, this is the playoffs for us this season. And I was sort of thinking, yeah, steady on, this doesn't last. You know, Josh Gordon was on an absolute unbelievable run of form, whereas when you look at his past career, he's never got 20 goals in a season. So chances are he's probably not going to get 20 goals again this season, but he got, you know, I don't know if it was six or seven at the start of the season. You know, strikers get these hot streaks, but then once he stopped scoring, there was no one coming in, Elson scoring. So that's when, obviously, the bad results in October, where you're losing by the odd goal, that's what happens. You've just mentioned uh, Pete Wilde and his new deal. Last week, we talked to a Doncaster fan about uh, McSheffrey, and it was out of date before the game uh, on the Saturday as he was sacked. It doesn't look like um, he, it's going to be the case with Saturday with Pete Wilde and his new contract. Are fans fully behind him then? Is that he has he currently got the full support of the fan base? Absolutely, yeah. He's he's it's unbelievable. The best thing that's happened to us since we got promoted, to be quite honest. Because I mean, obviously, I don't know how much you know, but since we got promoted, we've had what we have one, two, three, four, four, six, six managers, something like that, five managers in two seasons. So obviously, we had Ian Ever who took us up, and Pete Wilde is probably the closest thing to Ian Ever, you know, footballing wise, the football that he tries to play. Um, but off the field, he's really got involved with the fan base. I mean, it unfortunately, didn't actually happen because it was the weekend of uh, when the Queen died. But he was he was bringing his staff up for like a charity cricket game against Barrow fans on a Friday night before a home game, so they could meet the fans, do that sort of thing. Which obviously, I mean, Mark Cooper wasn't going to be playing no charity cricket game last season. Uh, so yeah, you know, I think everyone is fully behind him. You know, even at the end, he does. Some people say it's a bit cringy where he does the fist pumps at the end like Jurgen Klopp does to the fans. But, you know, people enjoy it. And it means that he is making a point of going over to the fans at the end of every game. And, yeah, I think he's absolutely brilliant. You know, five-year contract, yeah. If it was another club, I'd probably be thinking that's absolutely ridiculous to give a League Two manager a five-year contract. But they are obviously committing between him and Ian Wood, the sporting director, to building a club. On the field, but off the field, hopefully, which might mean the academy, which we haven't really got an academy either. So, obviously, that needs sorting. So, you're thinking, well, yeah, if he's going to be here for five years, things like that can be hopefully sorted out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly fully behind him. I absolutely love the man. And, uh, yeah, I think probably you would say 99.9% Barra fans are. You always get someone who grumbles about things. But, uh, yeah, that's just football. That's the manager then. Uh, which players should crew fans look out for on Saturday? Well... I mean, me personally, the, the big signings for us this year, the two midfielders we signed, Sam Foley, we signed from Tramia, and Harrison Neal, that we signed from Sheffield United on loan, have been absolutely fantastic for us. It's like the, the, the play, um, we play sort of a like a 4-3-3, but they're like the two central midfielders in that, and they've just worked absolutely fantastic uh, together. Sam Foley's, I think, 35, something like that. So his experience has helped Harrison Neal, who's obviously a young lad coming to a football league club. He was on loan at South End last year, so uh, he stepped up from the National League uh, out fantastically. 
Um, obviously, like I say, Josh Gordon has been scoring the goals. If you just looked at our top scorers, you would think Josh Gordon's the one to look out for. But he actually, he didn't, uh, he came on on Saturday, he didn't start on Saturday. And Pete Wilde said he just wanted to give him a break because he hasn't been scoring. He thinks probably he's just been panicking about that and trying a bit too hard. Um, ben Whitfield has been a great signing from Stockport. I, I mean, how they've let him go, they must have some squad to have let him go. But, you know, he plays sort of on the right of the front three. Um, start of the season, basically, he was setting up all Josh Gordon's goals and assists. He was scoring himself. Uh, he's quick, which we haven't really had sort of winger as such since we came up because originally we played 5 3 2. So obviously, it's your fullbacks that are providing the width and the pace. Um, so that's always handy to have someone on the break like that. Um, and probably the biggest change this season has been Niall Canavan, who we signed from Bradford in January last year, and he was their captain at the time. So we all thought, oh, this is fantastic. We signed Bradford's captain, unbelievable. And to be quite honest, he wasn't great at this last six months last season. But then we weren't great ourselves, you know. Uh, we were really struggling at that point. But this season, he seems to have got himself a bit fitter. Uh, he, he, when he signed Bradford, sort of said, oh, he's slow, blah, blah, blah. But he, he does seem a bit sharper this season, whether that's because of how much he's improved his fitness over the summer. And probably the majority of the games, he's had, we've got a young central defender on loan from Chelsea, uh, McClelland, who plays for Northern Ireland under-19s as well. So he's he's decent. And he obviously helps out with Canavan because he can cover a bit more as well. You know, he's got the legs back, yeah. But I would say probably now Canavan's been the most important and absolutely, definitely the most improved because uh, he is that leader at the back for us as well now. Excellent. Stuart, I've got one last question and then I'm going to let you get on with your day. What is the score going to be on Saturday? Um, well, <laughs> crew crew of very similar position to us. You don't seem to be scoring many goals, the same as us. You're in a very similar position to us. So the head would say it's probably going to be 0-0 or 1-1, but the heart's got to say a Barrow win. So I'll say 2-1 to Barrow. Great. Thank you so much. Now, there's two things I want to talk about before we finish this week. The first is the cup draw that has happened since our last pod. Dave, Leighton Orient at home in round one. In my opinion, that's about as uninspiring as it could have been. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Um, yeah, I've got a couple of friends who are Orient fans, actually, and they're planning on coming up. So it's actually personally quite a good draw for me. Um, but yeah, I've, I've had a look on Twitter and I think the Orient fans are just as uninspired by, by the draw as ourselves. Are we going all out to win it this year, Mark? Of course. I've uh, I'd have had a few quid on us to win it. Um, when, you know, the, the possibility of Wrexham and Chester was still left in there, then when it came out late in the moment, you're just like, it's not great. But then, you know, we're at home. It's a, a same league. Um, shouldn't be fearing it. You know, we, we should be looking to go through and... Um, hopefully get Needham market in the second round and then uh, Man City away in the third. You heard it here first. Um, yeah, not very inspiring. Not very inspiring in some kind of game that you feel we could easily lose. Um, they do have Beckles at the back, who scored quite a few goals since he left us. But we should know his weaknesses. Should. Um, I'd like to think that we can work on those weaknesses, but I still feel very pessimistic about this one. Um, I think we're going to lose. Okay, last thing for me this week then, Mark, I'm going to come to you to start us off with this. 
Um, I heard from a few places that Neil Critchley was at the Mourn Flake yesterday. What do you make of that? Um, it, I, it's not inconceivable. I didn't see him. Um, I'm not going to pretend I didn't hear rumours yesterday, rumours that sort of went from he wants to come back and work for crew um, and as far as he, he'd like to be the manager. Um, I mean, if either of those things are true, I'd be very cautious. I mean, let's not forget he left us once before, um, albeit he went to Liverpool. That's a great move. He still left. Um, Alex Morris hasn't gone anywhere. Um I think that he was instrumental in Owen Dale wanting to leave and go to Blackpool. You know, Owen Dale could only go if someone's willing to sign him and Neil Critchley was willing to sign him. That didn't benefit crew or help crew in any way. So that still stings a little bit. And then he um, he was doing a good job, to be fair, at, at Blackpool. Um, and then he, he down tools and went off to Villa. So that says to me that, you know, he's, he's always going to put himself first. I said this about Ryan Lowe, if you remember, when we were discussing it about David Artell. Um, I don't like to think that anyone's in charge that's just going to go and leave at the drop of a hat. So it, I'd be very cautious around anything to do with him. Um, and I've written an article this week that's, uh, and I don't want to like say what's going to be in it, but it's sort of, I've tried to put into context where Alex Morris is in terms of being a crew manager. It's um, still very short term that he's been in charge. Um, and he's coming on the back of that horrible season. So um, I don't know. You, there was too many rumours for it to be nothing, but uh, I'm very sceptical. We'll wait and see. Is Alex Morris under pressure from the fan base, from the board, with the results, the performances? And if he is, do you believe that's justified? Um, personally, I don't feel like it's justified. I do still support Alex Morris, I feel like if you go back to the start of the season, I would have snapped your hand off for, for the position we're in. Um, however, I do feel like he's under pressure. Um, having former coaches turning up, watching the team, possibly helping spread rumours is, is not ideal. Um, but I feel like he's he's pretty safe in my eyes. I don't feel like the board would would make a move, given, given the situation. It's not like we're struggling down the bottom, which would be the real the real sort of question they would ask, really. If, if we were down the bottom, then there would be no questions asked. We're not playing amazing football. Um, and if our league status was in was in jeopardy, then then they would act. But no, I don't think it's um, justified at this point, really. Right. That's probably a good place to end it for another week. We will be back next week with a look at those two games that are coming up. But until then, Mark, Dave, Gary, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, as ever, for listening. And until next time, goodbye.